Welcome to the When Women Fly podcast, where we speak with women who dare to pursue their dreams and fly, literally and metaphorically. I am your host, Sylvia Winter. Each week, we highlight the many ways in which we fly and examine what happens physically, mentally, and emotionally when we defy gravity, bust our own limiting beliefs, and rewrite the notions of what women can and should do. I believe that in telling our stories, we are shifting a larger narrative, one small win at a time. Today's episode is the second installment of the Ask Me Anything series for season three, where I have batched all of the incoming questions about my recent move to Switzerland, and I attempt to answer them even though I am still in the throes of that said move. I will share my own personal journey and what led me and my husband and three kids to move across the ocean to Switzerland. I will share our house rules for change and the three effective strategies that I have learned and employ that we all could leverage to develop a healthier and happier, more grounded approach to change. I have received so many questions, so I hope this addresses them all in a more holistic way than taking each question separately. Big topics need their own space, so I hope while listening here, you will reflect on what questions are you living and why is that important, fulfilling, or not in our short, sweet life. To be honest, these solo episodes, and this one in particular, did not come easily. Although we are two years and nearly 100 episodes into the When Women Fly podcast, there are some aspects of producing this podcast that are extremely difficult every single time, and talking about myself is one of them. But in service of you, my loyal and new listeners, and the cause of sharing and elevating the real, yes, real life of women who have a complex life and layers, multitudes, and facets, I will share with you. The second point before we get started, we have been here for eight weeks. This is eight weeks into our move. And I am still in the process of unfolding a life in this new, complex, and stunning country. Logistics are a big part of moving. And in a time of shipping delays, we are living the reality that the things we packed and shipped in June from Cambridge, Massachusetts, including our ski gear, bikes, and books, and a dining room table, are, well, still five or six months not arrived. So, The recording I'm doing right now is literally in a coat closet. My eight-year-old calls it my cupboard. So here we are, resourceful and getting the job done. Regular listeners will know that I recently moved across an ocean, and it's been a challenging and life-changing adventure. So I'll talk about this move and our life in Switzerland in this episode specifically. Before we get started, let me just mention that we have launched a new way for you to be part of the When Women Fly project and this podcast. This episode, for instance, is the happy result of your questions and comments, many of which were received on the Pod Inbox platform. It's really easy. All you do is you follow the link, record your voice, your comment, your thought, your question, and you can leave that voice message. The link below is www.podinbox.com slash when women fly. And of course, you can always email me at hello at whenwomenfly.com. Okay, finally, to frame this episode, I am reminded of a favorite passage from Letters to a Young Poet by Rainier Maria Rilke. 
in this modern classic, the beloved poet takes a beautiful case for the importance of living the questions, embracing uncertainty, and allowing for intuition. So this is a 1903 letter to his protege. I want to beg you as much as I can to be patient towards all that is unsolved in your heart and to try to love the questions themselves like locked rooms and like books that are written in a very foreign tongue. Do not now seek the answers which cannot be given you because you would not be able to live them. And the point is to live everything. Live the questions now. Perhaps you will then gradually, without noticing it, live along some distant day into the answer. Okay, so today we dig deep into my personal journey and what led me and my husband and three kids to move across the ocean to Switzerland. I also talk about our house rules and three effective strategies for change that I employ. Oh, and stick around to the end of this episode where I have a companion reading list. This is a question that I am asked frequently about the books that I'm reading, and I can't express the importance enough of how influential listening and reading these books has been during the last year for me. And yes, the other question I often get about, quote, reading is whether I listen to books on Audible. And unapologetically, yes, I do. So wait till the end and I will share with you my reading list for change, basically, and moving. Okay, so first of all, thank you for your patience as I work out this new recording space and I continue to bring you these thoughtful and hopefully engaging conversations. Hopefully this will also show you that we can just be resourceful and get the job done. So here we go. What led me and my husband and three kids to move to Switzerland? Opportunity, adventure, mountains, growth, trains, chocolate, sustainability, enormous professional challenge, all of the above. Oh, opportunities present themselves and we have a choice, a choice to pass them by. And sometimes, a lot of times, saying no to that open door is the best fit. And other times, opportunities open and they tap into all the fear of the unknown, but simultaneously catch our eye. They speak to us in some way. We bookmark them, we ask more questions, we try them on, and imagine a life we didn't know. It is easy then to compare with a life we think we do know. But for me, COVID set this straight, that imagining of another life, the life we are not living. Because in COVID during the pandemic, the notion of a world that was as it seemed and a future that was predictable, like something you could calculate from a set of knowns, just wasn't true. In reality, our circumstances are not indelible. They're fragile and they will evolve in ways we cannot see. So for me, the pandemic, which is where this really all started, was a wake-up call. And from there, I can't really generalize for everybody because, of course, our experiences are all very different and complex. But we were faced with ourselves. And when the music stopped, in whatever chair we were in, there we were. I would have these dreams during early COVID of playing musical chairs in a lovely garden at a party, and a predictable game of musical chairs ensued. And then, one time, 
when the music stopped, everyone froze. And the garden, the clouds, the birds, the entire scene just froze. And there it was, like a wax museum. Relinquishing the forward march of time, and with it all the inherent life that is predicated on change. Change is the generative power of life. The moment the music stopped was a determinant of how our life would thus unfold at that moment in March of 2020. I was fascinated really by this image in my own life and everywhere. These sliding door moments are invitations. There is no right or wrong except possibly ignoring that these moments do exist and ignoring that we have some agency about whether we keep flying straight or change course. These are always decisions. So I wanted to answer a number of questions related to how the move has impacted our kids and our work and our life. And I will share with you our house rules for change. And these are the three main ones. Number one is to show up or give it a go, as our British friends say. Starting something new is never easy. And if we are never a beginner, we can never begin again anything. And that's what I say to my kids. And that is part of showing up. The other part of showing up is in new social and community events. Just because it is more important to show up, even if you feel like the new kid and a foreigner, than to not show up and miss the opportunity to connect and to learn more about something. Sometimes showing up is data collection at its most basic. It's good to know. Sometimes it's an opening to a network that is life-changing, but it is always something. And that is an important lesson, especially for those of us introverts that have some energy cap on social interactions. So showing up is the first house rule that we have in this time of change. The second is that change is hard and we must face it head on. It is a process that takes time. It is transition and not every day is going to feel great. But this is how we grow and how we learn about ourselves. Our lives are evolving and that is a beautiful thing full of discovery. And as evolving, changing something will take considerable effort. You will need to put up with the discomfort and the uncertainty and the hard work on a daily basis. And then we see the confidence and the sense of clarity that has developed. When you grow as a person, you have more ideas of what you want to become. It is ironic that being a foreigner actually helps to clarify what is not foreign, but rather what's most essential within us, what is essential and at the core. But especially the leading edge of change, there is a lot of discomfort. But the house rule here is to meet that head on. And the third house rule is humor and humility. Humble and human come from the same root word in Latin, humus, meaning ground or earth. To be human is to be of the earth, to be an earthling. To be humble is to remember what you're made of. Humor helps us be humble. It takes us out of ourselves and lets us see the peculiarities and the pretenses and the hubris in being human. It reminds us that we are earthlings of the earth and contingent and vulnerable. And in our humility, there is room for hope and joy and connection. This is also part of living without judgment. 
It is so easy to equate foreign and different with strange and weird. But if we substitute humility and humor, and not the laughing at kind of humor, just laughing at ourselves, it's a choice. It's a choice about perspective and finding joy. Okay, and the final thing, the three effective strategies. So this is where I get practical and tactical. Switzerland is a country with a lot of rules. And being a creative, a designer, someone who likes to be unencumbered and to live outside the box, even so, I actually really love the container that rules provide. I love this about flying, actually. Flying is only possible by strict adherence to rules, routines, and protocols. And yet the experience of flying is closer to freedom than anything else that I have ever felt on a visceral level. So let's get tactical and specific here. My first strategy. I have heard of people who block off time in the beginning of the day for self-care, for meditation, exercise, maybe writing or run or yoga. But I have always been conflicted about how to allocate my morning hours because they're sort of the golden time. I love to get things done, which favors the buckling down with work. But truth is that that short-lived dopamine fix of checking off a task in my workflow first thing in the morning is short-lived compared to the durable positivity that taking care of myself first thing offers. So my strategy here is to rise and do the thing for yourself that most prepares you for the day. Run, meditate, take a walk, yoga, write, make a cup of tea, reach out to a friend, If it needs to be something you check off, then put it on your calendar. But by taking the time to front end the day to ground, center, and connect with nature inside of you and out, we are setting ourselves up for a better version of our day. The work will get done, but this has become an essential segment of organizing my day. Does it take moving across an ocean to learn this? No, of course not. It's just a matter of doing it. And it just took me the chance to repattern, to fully embrace prioritizing this in a new way. I hope you can hear this now and that this helps you face change simply because it grounds us on a daily basis. And we are always capable, more capable of seeing possibilities when we are connected with our nervous system and it's flushed and fresh. So front end your day with self-care. My second strategy, unpack your bags. We not only moved across an ocean, but we travel many weekends, hopping on the train and heading to the mountains or Italy or France. So packing and unpacking are sort of like doing laundry. They're always in the process of packing and unpacking. So my strategy here, when you come home from even a weekend trip, with the best of intentions and you check in with work and you water the plants and you check your homework and you unpack the bags and you check the fridge, but do you really unpack your bags? Often what really happens is you leave your suitcase two feet from your bed and unpack some of it and leave the rest. Packing is hard and unpacking is harder. But with this second strategy for change, I highly recommend you literally and metaphorically unpack. 
It's like the debrief because it is impossible to move into the next day at your best if you haven't unpacked and processed what just happened. So much akin to the debrief. It is the importance of the post-event follow-through that really sets us up for the next step, the next event, the next day. Besides the sheer convenience of having your belongings back in the right places, there are so many reasons why unpacking as soon as you get home is a good idea. And my third strategy is declutter. I'd heard of Marie Kondo, the Japanese organizing consultant, from friends who spoke evangelically about her methods and how they transformed their lives. In case you haven't, here's the gist with her little book, The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up, The Japanese Art of Decluttering and Organizing. Kondo set off a decluttering craze across the globe. And like most things, take it for what it is, but also really consider the benefits physically and psychologically. Decluttering helps you move on from the past. One of the ways that decluttering can change your life is it helps you move on from the past and into the here and now. It helps you to not only clear the mess, but also process and come to terms with whatever happened in your past relationships, your previous jobs and ventures that didn't work out. I'm not saying that there is anything wrong with having sentimental attachment to some things, but holding on to every item and memory from your past can prevent you from accepting the future with open arms. There literally isn't space for the future. Also, the first time I performed a complete decluttering, I had more than three boxes of items that I no longer had any use for. Some of those items I hadn't even used in years. They were just occupying space and making everywhere stuffy. You can free up those objects by donating them to charities, those in need. These items can range from clothing, tools, kitchenware, books, and so much more. Giving away these things is so good for your karma. It also clears your head. Decluttering clears your head because it clears your space. I don't think that there is any sane human being alive that would feel comfortable in a disorganized and messy environment. Too much clutter distorts your mind and stops you from thinking straight. At least that's my experience. If you are in need of a mental rest or just want to relieve emotional stress, try a bit of decluttering. It's a really great strategy for getting organized. And it's my third strategy for positioning ideally for change. So my final note here, people have asked about me and the podcast and flying and also about my creative work. The podcast, When Women Fly, and the community here. I will be closing out season three by the winter holidays, and I will take some time to regroup. If any listeners would like to be involved in any way, please reach out. I'm very open to ways in which this podcast and the community can evolve. And I'm also very aware of my own limitations on time as I enter this new chapter and my creative work ahead. So let me segue here into that, my creative work. I have a fledgling project that has launched here in Switzerland. It's at the intersection of sound and architecture, our built environment. The central message of this podcast is all about finding your calling and creating a sense of possibility in your mind. And it has given me personally the support and inspiration to move forward 
with something that never would have come about without investigating the intersection of seemingly disparate fields. Who would have thought that the sonic experience that you learn about as a podcaster, intersecting with the design experience of our physical environment that comes with decades of creating spaces as a landscape architect, also combined with being a yoga instructor and a pilot and knowing that deep focus and the benefit of flow that we tap into, how transformative that can be when our nervous system is tended. At the intersection of sound and design and our nervous system is where my next project sits. Forgive me if I lost you. The thing about burgeoning ideas is that they are green and nascent and promising and not always clear. Doors have opened for me and I will walk through them. Creativity is seeing possibility, wonder, and flying, spreading our wings and flying. So finally, the question of flying. You know, sometimes I wonder if I started this podcast, which explores the different ways in which we fly, to give myself permission. And that's hard to admit because I'd like to think that I would have the confidence regardless. But I think I needed to see examples and learn about the lives of women who, quote, fly in different ways. I'd seen my mother and my cousin and my friends, all women who I respected immensely, who seemed to tap into the similar energy, the spirit of flight, but in many different forms. And I wanted to tap into the lives of women who somehow gained the sense of freedom through rigor and commitment. And how did that manifest in different ways? I am now living that question. Like the Rilke quote, the question is about the many ways in which we fly. Flying, being a pilot in Europe and in Switzerland is different. It's a different beast than in the US. It's extremely expensive prohibitively for me. The cost of fuel is not subsidized as it is in the US. And there are other limitations in general aviation that make it just too difficult. It's a nut I have not cracked. I'm not saying I'll never crack it, It's just, I have not cracked it yet. And this means that I will not be piloting across the Alps on my own anytime soon. But I will be finding other ways to fly. And I have no worries at all about this. Running, skiing, paragliding, kite surfing are all possibilities. So it's a matter of transforming my idea. And in this transformation, there are so many new possibilities. Thanks to this podcast and the conversations we have about the many ways in which we fly. Creativity has always been my central value. There are two common elements in the definition of creativity, namely novelty and applicability. Creativity depends on many factors, including our environment, personality, motivation, but culture and contrast are important ingredients for me. So I hope that in this journey, you also will reflect on life changes. And I hope that some of this has been helpful for you to hear. I did promise you my reading list because this is a question that I am frequently asked. What am I reading? There are four books that I will mention, all of which could be an entire podcast or conversation on their own. First, Katie Milkman's How to Change the science of getting from where you are to where you want to be. Katie Milkman is a genius and a trailblazer 
in this examination of change. I can't say enough about what she does. She's often on podcasts. Look her up. The second one, James Clear's Atomic Habits, an easy and proven way to build good habits and break bad ones. What you didn't know about your habits, James Clear will reveal. I highly recommend this book. The third one, Adam Grant's Think Again, The Power of Knowing What You Don't Know. Adam Grant is one of the most insightful thinkers on this idea of what we know and how we show up in the world. The fourth book is a little different. It's by Sonia Shah. It's called The Next Great Migration, The Beauty and Terror of Life on the Move. So Sonia in this book examines the natural history of migration and puts it in the context of where we are today. It's really a fascinating reflection on migration over time and it includes a lot of interesting questions about where we are today. So that's my book list. There's no way you can read those four and be the same afterwards. So I highly recommend you make your way through this. Okay, I hope you learned one thing from this solo episode and I hope you will share it. You've been listening to the When Women Fly podcast, an independent creative project founded by me, Sylvia Winter, to amplify the stories and expand our vocabulary when it comes to ways in which we fly, how we do it, and why it is important. If this episode or any episode resonates with you, share it, send it to a friend, and you will have amplified a story that just might spark a pivotal moment for someone. Also, I know you've heard this a zillion times, but by leaving a rating and a five-star review on Apple or Spotify is a huge boost for us and increases, expands our distribution. Also, subscribe to the One Women Fly podcast and each week you won't miss a beat. Okay, have a great week. Thank you again for listening. I send you love and light and strength and flight, however that shows up for you today. The world needs women who fly. Let's keep learning together. Be bold, be brave, and fly. I'll see you next time.